Well, happy Mother's Day to all you mothers, and uh, we rejoice in our own mothers, and and uh, I'm hoping that those of you who are younger, uh, maybe like Dakota, when uh, he's my age, if the Lord tarries, um, that we'll still be having Mother's Day in this country. Uh, it seems like every year uh, across the news uh, ticker thing that goes across, uh, there's some group that's saying that, you know, that we shouldn't be celebrating mothers. And uh, we know that there, is a, 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 there are those that want to, that are seeking to destroy the family. Uh, I mean, that's what Satan's been trying to do since the fall. But uh, um, to make everything gender neutral in this country, and uh, and uh, but we just uh, praise the Lord that God's word is God's word, and that there will be always mothers and fathers, and and uh, they will be held accountable to to God for uh, that position, if so God allows, and. Um, we again just uh, praise the Lord uh, for our mothers. I was looking at something uh, uh, online the other day, and it said that uh, in today in today's economy, if a, if a, a mother was to be paid for all the things that she does in the home, it would approximately be about one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars a year. And uh, they, they and uh, the uh, long, if you will, laundry list of of things that uh, a mother does, um, and all the logistics she does, as far as um, just in different things uh, throughout the home. Uh, in that, and uh, again, we just uh, uh, praise the Lord for most importantly for those of us who had the opportunity to. Uh, be raised by a woman that that knew the Lord Jesus Christ and and who uh, strove to raise us in in that way. And for those that might have not had that opportunity, um, yet for the same time for them actually taking on the role um, of motherhood uh, today, the womb is not a safe place as it was many years ago just for the chance for you to be born uh, in this world today, you are beating a, a, a statistic that is, uh, I'm not for sure if it's on the rise, but it, I uh, forget the percentage, but it's, a, it's an alarming percentage of uh, the, uh, the, the actual chance of, of a baby uh, being born uh, into this world either by a, uh, a forced abortion or by, or even by um, a miscarriage. And, uh, and uh, so we just uh, praise the Lord for uh, giving, uh, uh, allowing us to be born uh, uh, through our mothers as well as then to be raised uh, by them. <clears throat> the making of a godly mother. Turn over to James. No, it's just joking. <laughs> like, how in the world are you going to do that one? No, uh, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. And you are automatically going to know who it is when I'm going to say chapter 1. Chapter 1. Uh, the, when I was praying and seeking the Lord about mothers and or what, to, what to preach on as far as concerning mothers and looking at uh, some previous things that I had done, and just the the Lord laid on my heart the this young woman named Hannah in the Bible, and uh, her her story, uh, a short story that the Lord allow or that uses uh, in His Word to to show different things uh, to us about who He is, about who man is. And uh, how he is glorified. And uh, uh, so, 
Uh, as we as we look into Hannah, we're going to be looking at who the making really of a of a godly mother. Uh, in Proverbs, I, I, you know, we're, this verse in Proverbs uh, again thirty one, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far, far above rubies. Uh, I don't know if you saw online uh, uh, this past week. Uh, Christine and I were with, with some friends uh, the other day, and they were they were kind of sharing with us the same story. But uh, a police officer, a Hispanic police officer, pulls over um, a, a woman. Doesn't matter her race, as far as I'm, but a Hispanic anyway. And uh, and uh, she pull the officer pulls her over, pulls her over, and I think he caught her talking on her phone or something like that, and and she just unleashes a tirade on him, you know, and just insult after insult after insult after insult, and after insult um, towards this police officer, and. She had two children in the back seat, and her children are listening to this. And we, you know, and that's and that's a scary thing in our country today, where we see uh, women or those who are responsible for for raising the next generation, even within our country, uh, how these children are being raised in their in their, in in. Uh, the homes across America, and who can find a virtuous woman? Who can find one? And you know, as we as we go and as the world is progressing, God God has told us, you know, uh, the sin of man in this world is going to progressively become worse and worse, and and um, and so, you know, her price is just priceless to be. To have that, to have, to be a part in a family that is a part that has that woman who strives to, to live virtuously, uh, in the Lord. So the making of a, a godly mother, in First uh, Samuel, uh, chapter one, we're, we're going to, uh, Lord willing, uh, get through this, uh, get through this chapter. I'm not going to take time to just to read the whole chapter. So we're just going to get right into it. This first verses one through three is basically the kind of lays the foundation of of what of the character or the of the people uh, involved in involved in this uh, involved in Hannah's life or the surrounding this and now now and now there was a certain man <coughs> excuse me a, a, a certain man uh, Ramathon uh, excuse me for the uh, the translation here. Anyway, the Ramathon of of the Mount of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, Elkanah, the the son of Jerome, the son of Ehu, the son of Taru, the son of Zuphah, and an an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the other Peninwah. And excuse me, had children, but Hannah had no children. So here we have the setting of this stage, is where you have Hannah, she was married to this man, Elkanah, and he was, he was a man, he, had a, he was well in stature, and uh, uh, he's mentioned before and uh, earlier on in scripture, and uh, he... he uh, his name was mentioned as far as being a leader in an army and different things, and it said that he was quite uh, had quite a bit of wealth, and so uh, and then uh, he chose to have two wives. Now, any time where I think it looks like in Scripture in the Old Testament where a a, a man, a husband takes upon more than one wife, it always spells trouble. And you, you see it all the way through Scripture. And those who have only had one wife, 
um, which is really God's preference. But he did allow he did allow those in the Old Testament to have uh, two, and some and a lot of men took liberty in having more. And in that, you think of the kings and different, but it always brewed trouble in different facets of it. But uh, here he took he took two he took two wives, and obviously we know that Hannah could not have children. And then. Uh, and it was said that more than likely the two men did not really live in the same house together, and uh, and and her I'm going to call her her sister wife. I'm not for sure exactly, but her the other wife Peninnah, as we see, had children, has had children, and and we are not given the ages of these women who is younger, who is uh, who is older, but. Um, um, they were they basically the time where we knew they were together as a family. At least once a year, they went to the temple over in, or in Shiloh to meet with Eli to give their sacrifice uh, to the Lord. And they went to the temple each year to have that sacrifice made. Now, in ver- and, the, and so verses four through eight. Now we begin. We begin with Hannah's trials. And this trial from this really this ungodly woman uh, who uh, acting completely in the flesh. And almost when I was going through this and studying it, it basically reminded me of what, we were go- what we've been just going through in, in James of being full of envy and, and jealousy and, and everything else and, and just total wrath against Against Hannah, and so we, we see here the trials from uh, Peninnah uh, in this, and uh, starting in, in verse four. And when the time, when and the time was come that that Elkanah I had offered, had offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife, and to all the and to all her sons and daughters portions. But when he came, but when he came to Hannah, he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. As, and as he did, so each year when she, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she, provo- so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. And then Elkanah, her husband, uh, to her uh, uh, husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why hast thou grieved, and why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better than ten sons? And so here we see the, the, this trial that Hannah was going through. This woman had unrelent, was unrelenting uh, with with Hannah in verse verse uh, six, we see that we she says her adversary, that Hannah that she was against Hannah, that she that she was uh, she was jealous of her in the sense, and the and scorned her because uh, she she was not able to have children, and the uh, women back in in those days. Uh, if they were, if they were, if they were barren and weren't able to have children, uh, some of some in some cases, and or just kind of looked on as kind of like, well, God's favor isn't really upon you. And uh, in looking at that, I don't think that's not necessarily what God really intended it for it to be. Yes, God. Uh, cast judgment on a particular land, and he would he would do that as part of the general judgment. But in essence, it wasn't just because if a woman didn't have a child that God had God had a curse on her, and that she was to just walk around in sackcloth and ashes, and 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 uh, be a, more of a and be more more dirt. But uh, in this case, with with Hannah, she was treated excruciatingly, excruciatingly uh, 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 wicked in this, 
situation. And as far as I know, and as I can tell, Hannah is the only one, only woman whose scripture that was treated as this because of her, because of her not being able to primarily bear children. And that's how it started. We know that, we remember that with the, with the scenario with um, uh, Leah and Rachel, and how that they got Rachel became bitter in her heart that because you know she couldn't have she couldn't have a child. But eventually the Lord blessed her with with having with having Joseph, and um, but never really never to the extent that Hannah that Hannah had, and it was through, that through this, through this trial that God was preparing him, preparing her for the future, for what was going to happen, because God is sovereign in the trials that we go through, even, even in, 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 in such as this, and uh, we'll see that in a, in a minute, and so Hannah uh, uh, excuse me, Penna. She was a mother of several several children, and Penna was feeling je- jealous and full of anger. Here's a woman who has been blessed by God to have children, and you would think that this that this other woman would have sympathy towards Hannah, and helping her and saying, well, you know, and and put and uh, as a as a as a Hebrew mother and and putting her arm around her and giving her comfort because obviously they acknowledge God and they, they're going to temple on a on on during the right times and, and doing the sacrifices and yet she, she just had this thing and uh, we we see here um, her adversary provoked her sore had had provoked had provoked her sore in the sense of that Hannah was being provoked to anger and she was constantly chastising this woman and uh, in the, because it caused her the pain and humiliation every at least every year when they were going to temple this is what she had to face of this woman scorned towards her and uh, just that grief that word fret even caused her the, to the point where it was causing Hannah just to go into a mental state to where it was, it was mentally a, a, affecting her to cause her to be even con, even confused to even confused turn over with me to uh, psalm in chapter uh, psalm chapter 73 uh, psalm chapter 73 and verse uh, 26 and um, I thought of this verse in, in thinking of Hannah and her trial. It says, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Because through all this, in, in man's eyes, Hannah would have every right in her own self to respond to this wickedness that was going on to her. She could have easily, maybe, uh, 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 just lashed out back, and and calling it for what it was. But we don't have that written in Scripture. We we what's given to us in Scripture is this woman who just who was uh, faithful to her husband and going and, and going to and going to the temple and do and and then and in dealing with this and not real and just not letting and not really letting on to how bad it's going how really how much it hurts her in, in a sense as we're as we're going to see in a minute and so Hannah I believe she and we are going to see it, and not what we know that she had a heart for God. She had a heart for the Lord, and through this adversity, as before, and she, when we know the rest of the story, but it was through this adversity that God was working in her heart to prepare her for what was to come. Because there was another thing going on as well simultaneously. That brought on Samuel, another dysfunctional family, the family of Eli, 
and his two wicked sons. And so we see here that God, God is working in the midst of this. And so, and uh, we see that um, uh, Peninnah, she was an ungodly mother, just uh, uh, she had this wicked heart, and she had a heart that was really set out to ruin people just because, just because she had children and Hannah didn't, and shouldn't have given her the right to do what she did. She was completely in the wrong. Even if, even if God, even if God did something in God's place, it wasn't her place to cast that judgment. We find today, even in even modern day religion, where the um, uh, where the there's this one particular religion. The name slips my mind right now. Well, uh, oh, prosperity gospel. Where boy, if if you if you get a fat paycheck every day and you have good health and and you drive in a fancy car and have a three thousand or a three hundred thousand or three thousand thirty thousand square foot home or or something like that, you are so right with God and God is blessing you and and different. But man, if if you have cancer and you can barely have two nickels rubbed together and. And you're this, boy, you must have God's judgment on you and you need to get your heart right before God. It's the same mentality as this. You know, looking on the outward appearance and judging the heart. And yet, and yet we, and we, and we, see, and we see this come out in this particular chapter as well. And so... And not only that, and when in talking about having two wives and really just having the having a a, a marriage between just between an, uh, a man and a woman, and not between a man and a woman and a woman and a woman and and however many women the these Old Testament these Old Testament men had from time to time, it produced problems. It produced problems, just as we saw in uh, Jacob. Jacob, he loved Rachel a whole lot more than he loved Leah. And she eventually had Joseph. Well, who did Joseph love more than anyone else? Or excuse me, (laughs) who did Jacob love any more of all of his sons? Right? It was Joseph. And that caused bitterness and wrath towards Joseph. Just as we see here where where here we see that that um, that Hannah's husband um, Elkanah he loved Hannah he loved her and he treated her as, and he treated her as such he he gave her a double portion of the sacrifice not that she needed it but he he kind of felt for, sorry for her and so or tried to tried to help out in that regard. Now, we don't know directly in his heart, but we see his heart a little bit uh, come out here. We see, and so not only her, if you will, her sister or wife, but even her husband. In verse 8, and, and said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? Hello, why, are, why aren't you paying attention? Why weepest thou? And why aren't thou eating? Why aren't you eating? You know, and why is thy heart grieved? You know, I, I can't imagine a husband not knowing his wife. You know, he only had two. He didn't have many like David did. But not knowing the situation that he was going through, or Hannah didn't, or he just didn't necessarily want to be with her enough to to understand her particular needs because she was she was in utter despair. She was heartbroken. And I can't imagine the pain that she was going through from this. And yet her own husband that loved her didn't know her and didn't understand her. Didn't know that she had a broken heart. And he says, then he goes on and says, I am, am I not better? Am I not better? Why is it about you? 
Am I not better? Am I not self-sufficient for you? Why aren't you grateful, Hannah, for, God, for me being your husband? So I'm this great and wealthy man, and, and I'm, I've, been kind of, I've been meeting your needs, and I'm giving you a double portion, Hannah. Why aren't you grateful? And this is a man she lived with. And the woman that she was around. And they took this trip every year to the temple, it didn't say how many years this happened, but it happened quite a few years, I would imagine. And maybe even as they had communication with one another or something, I don't know, during that time. But you can just imagine the dysfunction of this family. And it doesn't talk about uh, Peninnah's uh, kids, but... I don't know if they, who knows if they amounted anything for the Lord, for the Lord's use. Because of it. And so, again, through all of this, God is preparing, preparing Hannah. She is allowing Hannah to go through this. Because as we see here, then we, um, we see the, the, the uh, issue with her sister wife or whatever you'd like to call her and then her husband absolutely showing no sympathy uh, towards her and understanding towards her. It's almost kind of like today sometimes, man, we kind of get into this mentality. Okay, you know, I bring home the paycheck I work. What else do you want from me? You know, and, that's, and obviously that is not right. Uh, we need to be supportive and an understanding of our wives that they might continue to to grow and to be that godly to be that godly wife that we we hope to for them we strive for them to be in, in walking with the Lord. And yet sometimes we we fail in that regard, but we learn and we grow. And so we see that. We are going to see that through all this wickedness and all this heartbreak that Hannah is going through, that it caused Hannah to turn to the Lord. For if Hannah was not that, if these first few verses from chapter from chapter four to chapter eight did not exist, this prayer that Hannah gives would not have happened. Would not have happened. And see, God is sovereign and God is in control because there's something greater that's going on with this, as you're well aware of. Hannah's heart. We see Hannah's heart, verses 9 through 11 here. And so Hannah rose up and rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had, so they're still in Shiloh at the temple. Shiloh, after they had drunk, and now Eli the priest sat upon Eli the priest had sat upon the seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept sore, and the vow and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look upon the afflicted of thine handmaid and remember me and forget not thine handmaid, but wilt give unto me thine handmaid a man child, and I will give then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life and there shall be no razor come upon his head and it came to pass that she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth oops didn't mean to say verse 11 I read a little too far so we see Hannah's heart She's submitting to God in prayer for the burdens of her heart. You know, it's very interesting is in this, in verse 9, she rose up after, after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. So she, she left them. She left her husband. She goes alone to the temple, not with her husband. She didn't say, she didn't even say, Elkanah, you know, I have this burden. Why, why don't I go to the temple and you can come pray with me? In essence, why, why would she? Because you can just imagine you know, her, her husband's response to this. And again, she was alone before the Lord. But 
um, even with even within a marriage, even today, God is always first and foremost. That God is God is always the one who needs to take precedence in in the husband and the wife's lives first and foremost. And so, and this was her desire. And so she went she went into the to the temple alone, and she was weeping and and. Uh, this this bitterness, uh, this bitterness of soul, and it wasn't this bitterness and, and wrath and like, God, I can't believe you're doing this to me. You say you you're a God of love or whatever, and you know, deliver me from this situation, and and I want your judgment cast upon these others that were that's causing me so much harm. No, it's that not. It's 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 base. It has this idea here. Of uh, of this uh, uh, this bitter this sobbing meaning it's just a, a meaning of being just utterly in mourning this brokenness of spirit and she and she prayed that way pleading to God that she would be able to have have this child and she begins to say here in verse eleven and she vowed a vow and said O Lord of hosts. Which is very interesting that she would say that, because this particular time, with the with the with the Hebrew people, they were in bondage still. If you remember, during this particular time, this was the time of Samson. Samson was around, and 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 she probably knew of Samson and what was going on cuz Samson made a name for himself all across the land and his things and his shenanigans going on with the Philistines and so and so this word host has this idea of a host the lord of hosts it's an army of those who are in hardship who are in hardship so she's recognizing her own people and we're in this hardship. Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look at me. She's coming to the Lord in humbleness of mind. Look, it calls, upon, calls on God to see her like no one else has. Unlike her sister wife, unlike her husband. You know, to look, if you would look on me. If you would look on the afflicted. Of thy the affliction of her own heart, see my heart of thine handmaid. She she identifies herself as a servant of God, as thy handmaid. Of thy handmaid, and re, and re, and remember me. Remember meaning is that if you would just remember me, O God, in your greatness. And as she goes to as she goes to the temple once a year, you know, different different dispensation in the Old Testament, obviously, than today. But remember me. And so then, she gives this vow. She gives this vow. She says, "If she's not," she goes, "But it." But wilt, but wilt thou give thine unto thine handmaid a man-child? If you bestow on me a man-child, then I will give unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall be no razor come upon his head. Now, she was giving over a son to be used of the Lord. You know, and each Christian parent so when they find out, you know, they're pregnant, it's their heart's desire, their Christian family, for their children to be raised in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And we have uh, baby dedications, not necessarily dedicating the baby, but dedicating the parents to the Lord for the nurture and raising uh, of the child. And here Hannah says, if you, get, if you do this to me, he is yours to be used how you see fit in your service all the days of his life. She doesn't give like a portion. She says, however long you need him, you know, all the days of his life. And she was, she was consecrating her son to the Lord. 
Now there was another, and it's interesting to, to note here that he she uses this Nazarite vow. The same vow that was given to Samson. Samson's mother could not conceive a child, right? But God, she, she was barren, and then she was able to conceive. God blessed her with a child, Samson, and and the angel of the Lord gave her this stipulations and how and how a razor shall not be, his head shall not be shaven as part of a Nazarite vow to be used of the Lord, and so. I'm thinking that she she is she is seeing she is seeing this, and remembering, and maybe she heard. And maybe she's thinking, if I give my give my son to the Lord, as as unto the Lord, and and for God's use, you know, to deliver as as we as a nation are in hardship, because she has this mindset, and how she prayed to the Lord as a Lord of hosts. You know, she has a heart for her people. She has a heart for the Lord, and and she's giving up. She's willing to give up this child for. For God, and she she believes that this is going to be her only child, as far as she knows. And so, and we see this here too, that with, with her with her uh, grief, not only does she give his life, but gives gives his life that he might be used to deliver Israel, because we know what Samson's been doing. And so we know that Samuel, we know the rest of the story, but we know that Samuel acted as a judge and as a prophet. He was kind of the in-between between between that transition between the judges and the kings. Because after after, um, after, uh, uh, Samson... You know, and there was that period of time, and 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 the people eventually wanted to have a king, and and Samuel was the prophet that was doing that. In the meantime, he he basically played judge. That's what God intended for Israel to be, but God God, Israel wanted their own way. But God said, "Okay, if you want that, have it your way, but you're going to suffer for it anyway." So we we see we see her heart. In this, and then we get the response, verses eighteen through, verses twelve through eighteen. We see the responses, response to Hannah's heart. She keeps her faith in the Lord, but we see this this issue here with with Eli, and it's kind of very telling of Eli. We see here, and it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli, mar- Eli mar- uh, marked her mouth, meaning that Eli was watching her mouth and uh, speaking, but Hannah wasn't speaking. Now Hannah spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore either Eli thought she was drunk. I wonder why she thought he was drunk. It's because he was allowing his own wicked sons to do the very same thing to bring in women into the temple and desecrating the temple and all, all that and because we know it uh, these two these two men were actually in the temple during this time because we see their their names listed in verse 3 uh, Hop, um, I and Phoenicius or along that line and so, you know, put thy, and so he tells Hannah to put thy wine away from thee. And Hannah said, you know, and she, she judge, he judges Hannah without even knowing her. Once again, another person, you know, kind of attacking her. And here she is pouring out her heart before the Lord. You know, at that time, maybe she could have run and just said, oh, this is ridiculous, I'm out of here. More, more suffering, God doesn't care, I'm done. But she responded, and she says, and Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunken neither wine, neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured my soul out before the Lord. Count not thy handmaid to be a daughter of Belial, or meaning that which was, uh, that which is basically uh, um, uh, useless. 
And it's, and it's very interesting that she used this term in referring to Don't call me as that because you know what? Later on, uh, Eli's sons were called the sons of Belial, which is very interesting. And we know who replaces Eli's two sons. See, God is working and God is sovereign and God is in control of this and God is drawing Hannah to himself through this, through this time. If Hannah would have just given up and walked away from her husband and, or what have you and just, or just ended it somehow one way or another, this wouldn't have happened. But Hannah remained faithful to the Lord even during the midst of this, preparing Hannah to be that godly mother. So she goes on and says, Count not thy handmaid to be daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and my, my grief I have spoken hitherto. And so basically, you know, I am not, I am not what you say I am. I am. I am your servant. I am of the Lord. I am separated unto the Lord. I am not one of Belial. And... Uh, and uh, of my comp- um, of, and out of the abundance of my complaint, meaning that complaint not in a literal complaining sense, uh, the Hebrew has this idea of one who that is, who has been in constant meditation and prayer. She was deep in prayer and just pouring out her soul before the Lord. And so Eli, Eli answered, said, "Go." In peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked for him. And Eli had no idea what she was praying and prayed for. Eli was praying that God, she just gave favor upon Hannah to have the replacements of his two sons in the temple. And then, and so then, and she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the women went her way, and you know what? She was fine. She left it to the Lord. She prayed, and she had her countenance back, and everything was good. Because I'm sure on the way back, this woman, this evil woman, probably laid into her again. But, and so the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. She was rejoicing in the Lord. Now... And uh, as Sarah mentioned that verse, the joy of the Lord is our strength. To, re- to have that joy, that joy that God gives. And, and her joy now has been restored from maybe from once it was, was before she found herself in this marital uh, situation. And so now we go on to see... Um, now we, we, we've seen Hannah's heart and, and, uh, and uh, through Hannah's response to Eli and she was at peace and now the fulfilling of the vow. Now the fulfilling of the vow. We see in, in verse 19 at the, at the very end that God remembered her. Remembered her. He remembered, he remembered her prayer. And it says, and they rose up early, early, and worshipped before the Lord, and, re- and returned and came to the house of Raman, and and Elkanah and knew Hannah's wife, and the Lord remembered her, and she and she became pregnant. And wherefore it came to pass when, when it was time, uh, when the time was come, for about uh, about Hannah to had conceived, she bare a son. And called and his name Samuel, saying, "Because I have, because I have asked him of the Lord." And so, she realizes that immediately that Samuel was given to her of of the Lord. And so, and her husband and the man Elkanah and all of his house went up to offer a vow. Oh, excuse me, went up to offer unto the Lord the year of sacrifice and his vow. And so they continued on. They, they went on, but you know what? Hannah stayed behind. Hannah stayed behind because she wanted, she wants, she was preparing Samuel to be 
God's servant. And so she's, she, it's, it's said in verse 22, but Hannah went up not, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up unto the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord and abide forever. This is really, if you think about it, this is really one strong woman in the Lord in knowing God's will. Because how much easier would it have to been is just to take this newborn that she really hasn't, has just birthed, or relatively just birthed, and said, you know what, I'll just, I'll just take him up to the temple, drop him off, and run. Because I'm going to form a bond to this baby. But yet she had him, and she raised him for three years. She knew her son. She knew his voice. She knew uh, his, his temperaments. She knew all these things. She, you know, he, he went through all that, the early training stages of, of an infant, getting him you know, to the point where he's taking his first steps and maybe starting to carry on a conversation. But during this time, I truly believe that Hannah was actually nurturing him in the admonition of the Lord, preparing him for temple, for to be used of the Lord in some way, in some fashion, for the people of Israel. And so we see here in verse 24, and when she had weaned him, she took him him up with her, and, and with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and the bottle of wine uh, and brought unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew the bullock and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying, praying unto the Lord for this child, I pray. And the Lord hath given me my petition when... I had my petition which I had asked of him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth. He shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. So here we see this. This giving or the hands fulfilling of the vow. She didn't change her mind. And I'm sure that trip, Hannah's heart was was probably mixed emotion at this point in time. Where here she was giving her son to the Lord, not to be seen of him, not to, not to go through to raising him into a young boy, to a young man, to, you know, to, to, to see him, to have her become a grandmother or whatever, and all those things that, that moms look forward to as they, as they raise their children. This wasn't for her. And and um, and yet she followed she followed through uh, with this, and God remembered this this whole thing. Um, we see here also in this that when she brings Samuel to Eli with the preparations for him to go to the temple, she brought, she brought three bullocks. And it's been said the reason for, reason for the three, that would be one for each of the offerings that were made, one for the burnt offering, one for the sin offering, and one uh, for the peace, offers, peace offer, offering possibly as well. But it says here they only slew one bullock, and that was done... Um, uh, uh, for as as they were uh, getting ready to to consecrate the uh, Samuel and giving him to Eli, and and if they hadn't done the, done those, they would have just uh, left those or to be used for other other family members. Um, but or, and so that was the intention for that. And so we still see, even with her husband, that he was a he was a God honoring man. Yet he had some issues in this regard in his relationship with his wife, but yet still uh, honored the Lord as they went up to to he was giving his son up to the Lord as well, and and so. 
um, after, after the offering was made, once a once-for-all dedication for, of Samuel to the Lord for the service in the temple. And then after this, Eli would be training him. And we know of the, we know of the training of, of Samuel when Samuel first hears of the Lord and, and, uh, and, and the story there. But I don't want to leave Hannah off right now. So after, after leaving Samuel, she did not forget or abandon her son there, if you will. But every year she went to the temple to see Samuel to do of her offering to meet her son, to talk to him. Because every year she would make him a new coat. A new coat that was made for a priest. And every year as Sam's, or excuse me, as Samuel grow, grew, she brought him a new coat. If you turn with me over to, to chapter 2 uh, in, verse, in verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord being a child, girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat. It's kind of cute. <laughs> a little coat. And she brought it up to him year to year. So she cared for him, even though she was not in direct rearing of her son. And I'm sure they had, ni- I'm sure they had nice long conversations uh, during that time as they met. You know, they didn't have Facebook then or, you know, Instagram where they could share pictures and different things like that. They didn't have telephones or what have you. Uh, I don't think mail service was, there was really no, that much of communication between the two except for during this time. But Hannah was continuing to be faithful to her son, even as she grew old. You know, year after year. And when, and, and, uh, when she came up with her husband to, to offer that yearly sacrifice... And I can just imagine, because her, her sister wife is no longer mentioned. Here now, here now Hannah has given a son, and his son is to be used for the Lord and, and in, a, in a mighty way, and her sons we don't hear of anything. It's so important for us to be faithful to the Lord, no matter the circumstances that we're in, because we have no idea what God is doing how God is working. And as, how, as, as we have seen how God worked in this woman's life to prepare her to be this mother. Because if she had never went to the temple and made that vow, this would have never happened. But God had in his plan because God had a plan for Samuel because he needed a replacement now for the for Eli's sons, because remember, Eli the the priestly role was given from the father to the son, from the father to the son, and so on and so forth. Just as you remember the transition with Saul, Jonathan was supposed to be next in line. No, it didn't happen. But David, but God had in His plan for. For David to be, and God raised David, and it's interesting to note that Samuel and David have a close resemblance in their situation in being put in their position by the hand of God, replacing some wickedness that had gone on. And so we see this here as they went up, and, so, and, they, and they went to their own home. And, and, but its story's not done. The story's not done. Verse 21. And the Lord visited Hannah, and so that she conceived. She conceived and bared three sons and two daughters. And Samuel the, and Samuel the child grew before the Lord. God blessed her. And God used her. And I'm sure she raised her other children in a godly manner, as, she, as we see in this case with, with young Samuel. And we know that Samuel, being a prophet, served well before, served an honorable, honorably as a priest 
before Israel. And it started with this grieving mother way back when that was persecuted relentlessly and and a husband that didn't care or didn't understand or what have you. And God used this. And uh, she found grace. She found favor with God. And God blessed and God blessed her with that. You know, uh, in in conclusion, this morning, yes, our Hannah, yes, was broken in spirit, but she was strong in the Lord. She, as today we use that word strong, she was God strong. Her strength was of the Lord. Her strength wasn't in her husband. Her strength wasn't in her close friends or whatever her relationships with others but this mother this young mother or this woman that turned that became a mother was strong in the lord and as 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 she went through those trials and with those and with those trials um through her trials um uh god a uh, go God blessed far above than that what she asked for. Hannah's womb, or excuse me, Hannah was the better woman and the mother for it between those two women. Yeah, God might have blessed Peninnah with children, but that doesn't mean God's favor was upon this woman. God's favor was upon Hannah. And and so through so her so through her difficulties difficult times she sought after God to for God to meet her heart's needs by seeking to glorify God first she sought to glorify God first yes she asked for a son but that son wasn't for her that son was for God just as when we go before the Lord maybe in a a difficult situation that we not seek for ourselves but we seek to glorify God in that situation for if we seek for our own flesh to be comforted, or if we seek for our own needs to be met, God can't use that. But if we seek God to, to be glorified in the situation, whatever it may be, God, God will work. For we know it says, you know, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. As Hannah did. And so... Uh, God met her needs by seeking to glorify God first within that very need. And again, God blessed her above all that which she asked for. And I'm sure that moment, difficult time, she probably used that difficult time in her life to minister and raise her own sons as their own sons probably went through difficult times. Maybe the time when Samuel had to confront David with his own sin. Maybe he convert. I'm just speculating, maybe he conversed in the trouble that he felt, realizing what was going to come to David or not know, necessarily knowing what God was going to do with David because of his wickedness. But I'm sure that Hannah used that trial in her life to, to be used in other people's lives. As so should we. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life of Hannah and how you worked in in an awful situation, Lord, but at the same time, using that situation, Lord, to be used of you, that you would be honored and glorified throughout and throughout the whole nation of Israel. And and, uh, we so thank you for that. We thank you for, uh, for mothers that strive to to walk aright, to live aright, Lord, and to and to and to put you first in their homes. I pray for each and every mother, Lord, that you would I keep them strong before you, Lord, as they face uh, the days ahead, Lord, and for and for the grandmothers and for the great grandmothers and different things as they impart their wisdom and their knowledge to uh, to. Uh, their grandchildren and different things that they continue just to strive to to uh, be a, just be that strong testimony and, and witness uh, to the children that that still Lord that there would still be a next generation that that strives to walk 
and to be and to honor you in, uh, in all things, Lord. Again, we thank you for the for the for the mothers that you've put in our life to to cause us to be drawn closer to be closer to you for it. And uh, Lord, we pray. Thank you for this time together. Uh, in your word, in your name, we pray. Amen.